Welcome back to Cave of the Cross Apologetics. I'm Patrick. And I'm Tony. And you did it. You made it to the end of another book with us. <laughs> uh, we're finishing up Finding Truth, yeah. Five Principles for Unmasking Atheism, Secularism, and Other God Substitutes by Nancy Piercy. And along the way, uh, we got to interview Nancy Piercy, so if you haven't uh, checked that out, that's uh, episode number 69. So cavesofthecross.com slash EP69 is the place to go for that. And um, we're going to be finishing up here. Uh, we have another interview scheduled, a two-part interview that uh, that a trailer will will drop for that uh, shortly, and then uh, we'll be starting our new book, which we'll announce as well. Um, so, if you have other ideas for uh, books for us to cover, we'd love to hear from you. Obviously, we take uh, those who are Patreon supporters, uh, Patreon.com/slash Cave of the Cross, uh, with a little bit more uh, oomph to it, because uh, they're the ones keeping the lights on. Uh, literally, um, <laughs> and so, uh, so we'd love to hear uh, what uh, what what books have been sitting on your shelf collecting dust that we need to all blow off and 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 crack open and and study together. So uh, we, I think we have our next book planned, but you never know how long it'll take us to walk through it. Uh, Tony is really talkative, so that, that helps. <laughs> that helps. Um, so uh, we've we've covered we've covered all the principles. So now what's now what's the point? Well. Uh, part three is how critical thinking saves faith. And mm-hmm. what she's going to do is to encourage us to use the principles um, to, to show that um, uh, critical thinking is indeed a part of the Christian walk. It mm-hmm. is what we're all called to do. It's not just for the theologians. It's not just for the philosophers. It's not just for the professors. Um, it's, not, uh, it's not for your pastors only to do. It's for each and every person uh, because God has commanded it. He's directed it. He, he wants us to praise him with our whole hearts, minds, souls, bodies, everything. Yeah. Everything is all-encompassing in the Christian worldview. If it wasn't, then uh, we're missing pieces of what God says when he says he's the creator and sustainer of all things. Right. So so this particular chapter kind of puts everything together, yeah. shows how it all works together with regard to the secular thinking and the secular worldview. So she's going to cover a broad range of stuff here as we go through it. and. It's a short chapter, but she covers quite a bit in this yeah. chapter. Yeah. yeah, and like any good <coughs> professor, at the end, the, if you want to cover it, she's got tests for you to do. So, yeah. <laughs> In fact, we should probably say something about that. Uh, this book is uh, really meant to be a, a study, yeah. right, to, to study it. At the end of, um, at the, end of the um, book, she has a study guide, mm-hmm. and it has uh, various questions and uh, activities and that sort of thing that uh, – in a group setting, you can do and help, and it'll help you to understand better what's going on. It'll help you to apply uh, the the principles and what she's talking about uh, in terms of the book. So each chapter has its own um, you know set of questions mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So this is a really good book for for uh, studying in a, in a small group, right. and so yeah. you might want to consider that. Yeah, take it to your church, and you know you've got uh, our episodes to kind of uh, walk you through before you walk through. So you know yeah. we don't mind that. That's all right. <laughs> just 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 tell people about us after the, after you've completed the book, and when they say, "Oh, you're so smart," where'd you get those ideas from? I say, "Well, Nancy Piercy," and then also I had a little help. <laughs> so um, where, where does scripture itself encourage us to 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 think critically? Well, it encourages humans to use their minds to examine truth claims. First Thessalonians five twenty one says, "Test everything, hold fast, uh, hold fast what is good." Mm-hmm. And it turns out that you have to practice the first part, the test everything, in order to develop the wisdom to recognize and hold on to the good. 
So it's it's not just a, a, a one or the other. In order for you to know what is good, uh, we should test things. And um, clearly, I think we're we're at a, a point in time where we have an an overabundance of truth claims out there. I mean, you know, we, we have political jokes out there that says, you know, uh, these are these are you know uh, alternative facts or these are <laughs> this is my truth. I right. mean, how many times have have we heard? those kind of platitudes. And so now instead of dealing with, uh, you know, the, the um, platonists of the day or, uh, you know, the Aristotle or, or whoever the, the main kind of um, thinker that, that needs a revolution, you're, you now have individual philosophies that are coming at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, we need to test those things and see uh, if there are good things about them. And right. How does our Christian uh, um, meta- explanation, um, encourage us to, um, to, to take those ideas in. And so we, we shouldn't be scared of those ideas, uh, of looking at them. There's not spooky magical incantations that, <laughs> that we, we, you know, can't hear when we stick our fingers in our ear. But, uh, and I think the church has done that in the past and, and has faulted, uh, because of it. Yeah, and it's almost become a cliche, but you know, again, we shouldn't check our brains at the door right. as Christians, yeah. right? We we need to use critical right. thinking principles. I mean, think about walking into church. What 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 do you do after you know you sit down uh, after the the singing, uh, and even singing right now? I mean, it's it's reading words. What what's the thing that you do if you're in a, a good solid biblical church? You crack open a book. That, yeah. I mean, there's yeah. if you're doing that, you're not switching off your mind, right? Uh, Christian, Christians must be independent think, thinkers with tools to think critically about diverse points of view, weighing the evidence and judging the validity of the arguments. Proverbs eighteen seventeen says, The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. And, I mean, you know, you, you watch crime shows and you're like, oh, yeah, he did it. Yeah. Uh, until, you know, Perry Mason steps up. <laughs> Perry Mason's an old TV yeah, show that really, I used to watch. Really. So no one <laughs> understands that reference. But he always gets someone to crack or there's somebody out in the in the audience that says, Hold on a second. I've got something to add, and it breaks the case wide open. So uh, yeah, he. I don't think he ever lost any of his cases. Never did. Yeah, <laughs> he always had Mr. Berger to to, to help him out too. Yeah. Uh, some Christians seem to think that uh, a way to avoid uh, being conformed to the world, as Romans twelve two says, is avoiding worldly ideas. Uh, but G. K. Chesterton says that a better strategy is to learn the skills to critically evaluate them. Uh, it's it's more. Um, uh, dangerous to the person who has not studied them. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's that, that's some of her examples in her book is, oh, my son, my daughter, they went off to college and I had thought I had protected them, but now they're learning this, this you know, crazy thing called psychology and, you know, B.F. Skinner or, uh, you know, Darwinism, and I've tried to protect them. It's like, well, what do you expect unless yeah, you I mean, keep it's, them? It's, it's, it's like viruses, right? I mean, <laughs> you, you don't protect yourself. You don't overcome a virus by trying to necessarily avoid it actually you get it inoculated right and then then you get some of the virus in you so that you're able to fight it off right? right so if you never hear of a particular idea and then now you're away from home and away from support and all of a sudden you're bombarded with that idea it's easier for that for you to be susceptible to that sort of thing but if you've been inoculated by thinking by hearing these various ideas you know uh, before now you're able to, you know, pretty much fend for yourself, as it were, and fight off those type of ideas. You're, right. You know, it's kind of like you've developed antibodies. Right. right? Yeah. It's it's uh, antibodies need to kind of figure out what they're attacking in order to conform themselves to 
to, to fighting it. And so th that's what these five principles are helping you to do. And again, th these aren't uh, step one through five. It's, it's a, uh, an overarching scheme in order to get you to think about uh, the information that you're taking in. And I think it's a pretty decent one. And she says that the five principles will empower you to cut to the heart of any worldview and weigh its central tenets to gain understanding of the times in which we live. And she obviously uses the Romans one uh, strategy that uh, she covered um, at the beginning. And so in, in this chapter, uh, we'll study several key applications to show how critical thinking can save your faith. And uh, um, uh, we kind of uh, pick up on, on one of her books for, um, for art, uh, saving Leonardo. So uh, that's definitely one to, uh, to to pick up if uh, if if you're into that. And um, uh, Francis Schaeffer has also written about that in some of his books that are. It's really interesting. It's it's definitely you know you you wouldn't think that the Christian worldview <clears throat> talks about you know uh, you know how does how 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 do you look at a Picasso painting and 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 find kind of God in it? And it's yeah. like well here here here's Francis Schaeffer just breaking it down really well and it's, it, was, it was pretty interesting. For a short little book to, to kind of knock you out, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, so a unique feature of Romans 1 strategy is to be applied universally to analyze and respond to any theory. And so um, uh, the, the, the church uh, is not prepared, and so um, I think it's it's becoming better because we're having to, to um, respond to so many different ideas and so many different attacks. And you know, the, the, we're in a post-Christian world and now we have to deal with uh, when fiction books come out like uh, 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 Da Vinci Code. And now, oh, you know, is my faith founded on a lie? And yeah. the, the yeah. Freemasons have, have sought to, to make me believe that, uh, you know, uh, Jesus didn't really die and he had children with Mary Magdalene. And my whole purpose in life is to kneel before her grave, which is, God, oh man, it was, a, <laughs> it was such a stupid ending. Oh, I can't believe anyone liked that book, but all right, that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, so let's remind ourselves of, of the five principles. Uh, we've, we've definitely dug into them uh, in previous uh, episodes, but uh, this is a good reminder for us when, once we get into um, uh, further of this chapter. So principle one is, of course, to identify the idol. kind of have to know the target of what you hit. And so anything that's a God substitute is going to replace God with something. Mm -hmm. And um, um, <clears throat> again, I'll, I'll, the, this is to just briefly go over these points, so I won't uh, kind of give examples or, or hit uh, some of the main points. But uh, if you've been through um, through our episodes before, you'll, you'll know where we're going. So uh, identify the idol is principle one. Principle two is to identify the reduction. Uh, because you're replacing uh, as something in the place of God, you're, you have to reduce things. And of course, she, uh, she uh, focused uh, on hu humanity, how these different worldviews reduce humanity to something less than what they are. But you can also do it with reason. Um, you can do it with science. You can do it with uh, materialism. You can do it with a whole slew of things of identifying what it reduces. So things like free will. And, and those it's items. It's eliminated and that sort of thing. Yeah. Right. Because, and she says here that it's dehumanizing. Right. In terms of because uh, because it rules out. It has to rule out because it's not looking at the whole. Right. 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 <clears throat> and then principle three is to test the worldview against the facts of experience, the, the truth of general revelation. So we can kind of view this as the, the looking out approach. Uh, how does it, what does it say about the world that we see and does it have explanations? So if it says something like it appears or mm -hmm. uh, it may seem, those are your wah, 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 flashing yeah. keywords yeah. for, uh, you know, th this is important. This is to identify. This is a reduction. Uh, this is, uh, you know, something where it says, oh, it appears this way, but it really doesn't. 
And so there has to be a sufficient explanation there. It just can't be, well, it can't be that way because yeah. I, I think the outcome of it would be icky. You know, yeah. it's, it's or it's just an illusion or whatever, right? Yeah. In other words, you're not um, meeting the world as it presents itself. You're kind of dismissing it as a result of your philosophical ideas that won't allow those types of things to, to um you know, to be explained. Right. So you explain them away. Yeah. It would be, it would be something akin to uh, saying uh, that uh, you, know, you have a view of Christianity where evil doesn't exist and you just explain away all the evils of, of mankind by mm-hmm. saying, Oh, it's all an illusion. Well, your opponent's going to call you out and saying, well, you're, you're not actively looking at how humanity has acted for all of its history. And you should reevaluate then your worldview and see if it offers a full explanation for that. And so there might be, again, there might be ways in which we're, we've been looking at what we view as things like free will incorrectly. And so we um, need to be able to um, not just hold fast to our traditions, but actually go back to uh, what our ultimate source of explanation is and see if it, if it stands the test. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, it should be discarded. And so um, uh, we do that also with principle four show that every reductionist worldview is self-defeating. So this is the internal critique. Right. Uh, this is, this is uh, the, the famous, uh, there are no absolutes. Are you absolutely sure? I mean, that's, there's, there's, there's that. So, um, so you're self-referentially you're, incoherent. Yeah. yeah. D- does, does, <clears throat> does whatever it's say when it's applied to themselves destroy itself. Right. And so uh, we looked at a lot of those and um, it seems like a lot of them uh, come, come up short or, or do themselves in enough. And then of course, uh, principle five um, may be uh, one of the most important ones because uh, we just don't uh, chop them off at their knees and say, all right, see you later, um, you know, Black Knight. <laughs> <laughs> You're not just uh, sitting there with no arms, no legs. Uh, we're going we're gonna to give you uh, some legs to stand on and uh, whether or not uh, you, know, you, you choose to pick it up is, is entirely up to you uh, with God's uh, providence, but uh, it's to make the case for the Christian worldview. So talk about, you know, why the worldview fails both externally and internally and how it reduces humanity and how it replaces God. But then say, and here's where Christianity offers a better explanation. Here's, here's an idea of free will uh, that, that conforms with, with the reality of Scripture, which is your ultimate standard, um, and, and then also offers a better explanation of, you know, you do have choices. They do have consequences um, that uh, that the material world is there, but that's not all that there is. Uh, there's other explanation powers other than science that leads you to scientism. Uh, you know, there's there's things like logic and reason, and, and those those aren't illusions. They're real and they exist outside humanity. It's how God thinks. And so, uh, you know, how, how does a, a, a non-physical, uh, how does a physical universe with no you know non-spiritual, uh, non physical entities uh, produce reason that uh, seems to work everywhere and mm-hmm. seems to guide Universal. all thought and the yeah. very fact of using it, you know, uh, explains itself kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so Christianity offers that uh, um, kind of meta narrative, that, that thing that even rises above reason, science and, and morality. And so those are the things that we should look at as we get into the rest of the chapter. Yeah, and she says, she makes the point here that by identifying the points where non-Christians are freeloading, right, we can be confident that we're addressing areas where they, they sense a need for something more, right? So they're freeloading in terms of they don't have any explanation for these things, right? So they're, they're taking them out of the Christian worldview. Right. 
And so we put our finger on that and point that out because that needs to be explained, that needs to be dealt with, and that's um, a way in in terms of the conversation and working with and through, you know, with, mm-hmm. with those folks. Her next section here talks about stealth secularism, right? So this is how secularism, um, you know, gets itself into the, the mainstream of our ideas and concepts and thinking and that sort of thing, right? And uh, she says um, the point of, about books and movies is, is, uh, is, is important, right? They're used to uh, influence and uh, our thinking, right? She says, after all, this is how most people pick up their ideas about life. Friends, the things that we read, the things that we see, and that sort of thing, that's where we build our worldviews and pick up our ideas about life, right? It's not gold coins on the side of the road that says worldview on it, and you pick it up and you put it in your purse. All right, I got one. I got a worldview. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) She says that, uh, you know, uh, folks don't think I need a personal philosophy and sign up for a philosophy course, right? (laughs) Instead, they absorb ideas about life through the books that they read, the movies, the, the music, all of those types of cultural things that are uh, really part of the purpose of them is to you know, um, absorb uh, you into the particular culture and, right. and, and that sort of thing. And she calls this stealth secularism. And it uses images and stories to, notice, bypass our critical faculties and, and really play on our emotions, right? I mean, that's what stories do. Um, now, Christians can do this, too. I mean, Ravi oh, Zacharias sure. was really good at telling stories and touching the emotional you know, part of folks to, to help his message, right? And so, um, so Christians can do this, too, but the, the secularists do this as well. Right? Yeah, and, and we see examples of this that, that are a little bit more heavy-handed, too. So uh, think of, like, Ayn Rand with uh, the Fountainhead uh, and Atlas Shrugged. So Fountainhead uses... Uh, this idea of of um, architecture as a means of of conformity and nonconformity, mm-hmm. and then in Atlas Shrug, uh, you have uh, ideas of industry like uh, the train and railroads. So uh, you know a, a time period f- uh, for which it's speaking to, but it influenced a lot of people. And like I said, it, it's it's a little bit more heavy handed. You probably couldn't be that. Um, straightforward with your philosophies. Right. I mean, you, you, you essentially have John Galt, uh, you know, 50 pages of his entire soliloquy uh, <laughs> philosophy being spewed there. And then, uh, you know, once the, the, the TV is set is turned back over to the, to the people wanting to destroy society, they just brush it off and there's that. So, but th- there's something where uh, Ayn Rand used fiction and used fiction well um, to, to establish her ideas, to get you to think about these, radical ideas that she wanted to convince you to with which was objectivism and and similar type of uh, of thinking right so so what she's going to do now in the in the major portion of this particular chapter is to try to is to show these various ways that art and culture and music and that sort of thing uh, stealthily influences what we think and how these ideas have influenced art and music and culture and that sort of thing, right? She says high culture, these uh, basic ideas, philosophical ideas, naturalism, the things that we've been studying, filters down to pop culture, right? And so, for instance, materialist themes appear in movies and television, right? So all of these things then are, all of these ideas influence us because they're part of the, 
uh, the uh, entertainment that we do, the books that we read, the movies that we watch, and that sort of thing, right? She says naturalism tries to appeal by opposing, um, tries to appeal by posing as tough and realistic, but she indicates that it's really not realistic enough, right? It doesn't fit the real world, so yeah. it's not realistic enough. You know, critics point out that literary naturalisms, naturalists themselves do not live by their own philosophy, and we've seen some of this as, as we've gone away, right, uh, as we've gone through this book. And so that's what she's going to do now. She's going to try to walk us through some of how these various ideas have influenced um, uh, areas of culture, and how then that influences our thinking. And so we need to be aware of these. She's attempting here, I think, to inoculate us, right, to give us a little bit of it so that we can now be um, have antibodies against it. Right. <laughs> right. And so uh, the, the one that she uh, knows quite well is, uh, again, because she's just written a book, um, uh, Saving Leonardo, is uh, she turns to the arts. And so she covers four kind of periods of art um, that, uh, that went away from kind of the, the, the style that I think most people may think of when they think of, uh, you know, art houses and collections. It's, you know, the portraits and uh, the, the paintings of scenes and of, of realism, uh, realistic uh, uh, forms. Uh, and so the first one that she deals with is uh, Impressionism. And so Impressionism is uh, little dabs and dashes of color. And why did they decide to, to, to break these up? Well, they were influenced by the uh, philosophy of empiricism, which claims that the ultimate foundation for knowledge is sensation. So right. things like colors, taste, smells, obviously all your right. senses. So, so our senses are, are, you know, how do we come to know things? Well, the only way that we come to know things as empiricists is through our empirical uh, um Empiricist is through our uh, sense perceptions. That's how we come to know. So with, we can't know outside of our sense perceptions. So if you can't feel it, taste it, touch it, smell it, whatever, then you, it, it, not only can't we know it, we would suggest it really even doesn't exist, right? In fact, that's where the uh, logical positivists, right. if you remember, right. um, talked up, got their ideas from empiricism. They were empiricism to the, you know, to the max, right? And so they dismissed everything else as meaningless if you can't know it by your sense of perception. And 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 look here, it's it's the 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 philosophers thought of empiricism, the, the scientists, the, the 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 learned people, it trickled down into the arts and, and here it's it's the, the arts of the time which was uh, predominantly your your paintings, but you also had plays and musicals and, and other stuff. And so it's it's not outside the realm now to see it in movies and televisions. I mean, uh, you know, the, uh, one of the most recent terrible, terrible Star Trek uh, series had <laughs> had someone who identified as a nihilist, but he was one of the most emotive people on the entire ship, um, uh, which probably says more about the terrible writing than it does about the character. But neither here nor there, um, and so uh, to to reach the foundation of empiricists, say we must reach down the level of sheer sensory input. Because again, like Tony says, um, that that's where that's where we get um, that's where we know things. Because there you have three dimensional uh, space, and it's also filled with uh, color and vision. And so, um, according to empiricism, humans um, humans mentally construct the world out of color patches and so that's what they did so uh, monet is probably one of the the, the big names of the time uh, he wanted to convey the same idea visually and so he um he made not so much uh, uh, 
pretty pictures, but he was, uh, you know, <laughs> he was get he yourself was, in trouble. <laughs> well, he was, he was, he wasn't so much. This is a tree. You would see a patch of green, and and your your mind would kind of associate that with tree nests and and other things. So we would say he he didn't. It wasn't realistic. It wasn't actual in terms of the way we uh, would think of a tree. Yeah. Right? It was, it was these uh, patches. And sort of thing yeah right. so he, he was more Streak spots he, yeah, that's what he was more concerned with mm-hmm. um so he uh he would say that he can't accept christianity because its central claims cannot be uh directly verified by empirical science um which is god exists and is, <laughs> is the creator of the world right right <laughs> and so we can't taste touch see feel that sort of thing at least uh yeah. so it seems right to them. and so therefore uh it can't shouldn't be accepted. right and so, uh, so out of this idea is, is where he would derive from his art. But you might respond by asking, why do you think empiricism should be the test for truth? Mm-hmm. Which is a, a, a decent, uh, you know, question to ask. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this is my ultimate. Well, why is that your ultimate? Why th- should that be the ultimate? After all, does anyone really think that the ultimate basis for knowledge is color patches? <laughs> does anyone really reject everything non-empirical, like love or justice? Mm-hmm. In practice, no one is fully a fully consistent empiricist, it fails the practical test. It, right. it fails to explain what's what's out there in the world. To say everything is this, that's again your your big your big number number two uh, principle flasher should go off and say uh, it sounds like it's being reduced to something. Right. So right. so these these shapes uh, they're there, but anything more than that is just uh, you know a, a, an illusion. And so uh, that's that's where you can kind of. Uh, sink your, your hook into. Christianity is respect the empirical dimension. So there's your principle um, uh, five there, uh, but on uh, one thread in a rich fabric of truth. So it's right. not just, it's not just empiricism. It's not just yeah. our sense perception. And so again, but we don't throw that out. We don't right. say it's not, uh, 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 sense uh, perceptions aren't part of how we know things, right? No, they are, right. but they're not the only way, mm-hmm. right? Is the idea. And then the second example is cubism. cubism. Cubism comes from the philosophy of rationalism. The apex of scientific revolution was the development of mathematical physics. And Galileo's famous saying, the book of nature is written in the language of mathematics. Mm-hmm. And its characters are triangles, <laughs> circles, and other geometric figures. Wow. Ooh, yeah. So that's how the book of nature is, is written. It's, it's a mathematical yeah. book, right? So if you don't know math, <laughs> yeah. and, then you can't read nature, I guess. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, you have the golden ratio. <laughs> And, and um, the, the, uh, one of the really good movies, Pi, uh, is is uh, uh, based on just that concept alone. And um, uh, uh, Jason Lyle even talks about uh, kind of the, the golden ratio in, uh, I believe, his presentation on fractals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's uh, something to look at for for a, uh, a Christian version of, of cubism a little bit. <laughs> uh, rationalism thus inspired a, a kind of geometric uh, formalism. And uh, you had uh, artists who were inspired to do just just these these forms. Cuba's goal was to portray the unli- underlying mathematical structure of the cosmos. They broke objects down into little squares and rectangles to reflect the hidden geometric blueprint. Um, and so uh, uh, some of the main ones called that, uh, they accepted the rational, rationalist uh, premise that humans are complex mechanisms whose problems can be fixed simply by slotting them into uh, machines to live in, which again, if that's not a big tell all to, uh, to say we're, we're trying to fit humanity into a slot. I mean, this is pretty much it. Yeah. And we've also talked about in past episodes about 
um, those philosophers that try to say humans are just machines. And so this is one of those, those areas where um, artists are trying to do it too. Uh, as one social critic writes, that uh, this uh, housing projects uh, uh, were, were done in, in um, this type of cubist form. Uh, is, he called it a visual expression of materialistic and rationalist concepts, conception of human life. And ultimately those uh, failed into a dreary, depressing seedbeds of crime and social pathology. So when it comes out of the university and into the public policy, it's easier to identify their flaw. A materialist and rationalist conception of human life fails to take account of our full humanity. Mm -hmm. Thus, its consequences are inhumane. There's the reduction. Because Christian has a much richer viewer view of human nature, its consequences are humane and life-affirming. Mm -hmm. So it's not just this. It's mm -hmm. also more. So notice these various uh, movements in, in art uh, have been were inspired by these philosophical positions yeah. that the, the, you know, what she called the, the high thinking or, or, or that sort of thing, right? And so um, high culture is what she called it. Her next um, uh, art area is abstract art, right? And she says that, uh, she says the art movement that the public finds perhaps most puzzling <laughs> is abstract art, right? Why did some artists stop painting objects at all? You know, is it even art, right? Yeah, it's a blue box. Yeah, and she says it's because they were influenced by pantheism. So art was influenced by pantheism. And uh, she says the purpose of abstract painting was to free the mind from its preoccupation with material objects and, um, and draw the viewer up to the spiritual realm, right? right? Uh, the goal is to impart a sense of the Buddhist mystical state and um, known as uh, sanyanta, and the great void or emptiness. And so it was, uh, abstract art was in, it was influenced by, um, by pantheism. Yeah. Right? That, was the, the, uh, put, that was what was pushing in uh, abstract art. That was what it was based on. And, um, and, you know, that's what it was attempting to, to right. communicate. Imagine a room that's completely empty of all objects, chairs, even yourself. Now take away the room. <laughs> <laughs> she says, uh, Francis Schaeffer offered a fascinating phrase to describe this kind of content-free religious experience. He called it mysticism with nobody there. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Right. So a mysticism with nobody there is not enough to give a sense of significance and meaning in life. Right? If the goal is to become nothing, well, then what does that do to our significance and meaning, mm. meaning in life? Right. So abstract art really um, got its, is based on um, uh, pantheism. Then fi uh, finally here, I think this is finally, uh, <laughs> postmodernism, right? She says, what about it? Well, it, it's, um, it, uh, it's expressed in art as well, right? She says, recall that postmodernism is the claim that there's no meta narrative or universal storyline that's valid for everybody at all times. Well, she says, um, to she says deconstructionist artists this idea deconstructionist artists favor the uh, collage it's a patchwork of disconnected images that defy any attempt at interpretation so there you have a collage of things right and you kind of it defies interpretation or even each person can have their own interpretation right. kind of thing. So right? not what, uh, what did it mean to the artist or what did the artist intend to convey? It's what does it mean to you? To you. Yeah. Right. And we see this, uh, um, uh, film, film critics will say, 
that there are the kind of these two versions of of how to how to review movies or, or be critical of movies. The first one is to say, you know, again, what what does what did it mean to the artist? What was he trying to convey? Why why was the color green used in the Matrix? You know, right, right. It's to, to convey you know the the sense of this was the Matrix part, and then why was a gray tone in the real world? And um, there are good conversations to have there. Mm. But then there's the idea that you put out the art into the world, and then it's you, you, the artist is dead. You know, the, there's the death of the artist. And so you, you have, what does the audience interpret it as? And it's, it you, you have no control over that. And so right. you, you have the audience coming up with uh, meaning and, and, and th- that has to be true because that's what, what the audience took from it. Right. Right. So she says, whether in art or literature, education or psychology, mathematics or science, every theory of movement is, or movement is inspired by an underlining philosophy, right? So if you master the strategic principles in this book, she tells us, uh, they'll equip you to identify and engage critically with the ideas that have shaped uh, the Western world and every subject. Right. Uh, Then she uh, moves on to (laughs) what wags your theology? Uh, So we have uh, liberal theology has kind of um, uh, taken over uh, Christianity even, uh, it's recast Christianity in terms of Hegelian idealism, uh, things like identifying the Holy Spirit as the absolute spirit. Salvation was redefined as gradual unfounding of purposes of an animate deity and uh, through the historical processes, uh, the Father, God was the universal Father, uh, and we all became the brotherhood of man. And this is what um, formed uh, you know, the, 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 the critiques of B.B. Warfield and those guys in Princeton and the the, the fundamentals books being written um this is the 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 liberal um ideology of christianity that uh, that came uh right at the the 1900s the 20th century there um and then uh ideas that uh uh you know we have things that are objectively true things like saying for example a negative 27 degrees celsius (laughs) out this morning or uh that god was uh was in Jesus Christ reconciling himself to the world. The point, however, is the first of these is the sorts of objective facts or statements are only approximately true and are made from finite contingent perspectives. Uh, But if that is true, then uh, it's only true from that finite uh, cognitive uh, contingent perspective. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, what, what does that even mean when, when you're saying, Oh, this is a brute fact. Uh, humans are trapped in this prison of, of house of language, and so the, it was trying to get away from it. Uh, however, uh, it, in attempting to uh, redefine classical uh, Christian theology in the shapes of uh, idol-based philosophy, um, that, that's what they were trying to do. And, and they were trying to essentially be what the Gnostics were and, and have it uh, you know, be this— uh, we took concepts from Christianity, but we really wanted to put our own ideals into it. But this was gaining a lot of— uh, popularity and it, you know, it was in, in its in its infancy with Gnosticism, and um, uh, liberal theology was was attempting to usurp uh, what wasn't being done, which was right. a- answering things like social issues and um, uh, things like uh, truly helping the poor and things like socialism rising up and how to answer that or feminist uh, theology. And so here, uh, um, uh, the, again, the church was fit uh, uh, at this time to, to make those answers because they were enjoying the fruits of their labor by saying, well, it was cultural Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so unfortunately, 
um, uh, we had to kind of take a step back and we've seen reproductions, uh, the, the, the re- repercussions of that. So uh, Christians must uh, learn critical thinking skills. All right. So the next section, critique and create, the basic idea here is we don't just critique the idols. Right. right. Yeah. But we also create alternatives, right? So for materialism and determinism, she says Christians should make it their goal to have better accurate uh, science, right? We have more compelling books, more compelling uh, movies and that sort of thing. So we don't just create our, our critique, but we also create and we make things better. And so that's, that's what she wants to emphasize in this particular. Right. We, we need to stop giving up land to uh, the non-Christian and say, oh, well, they have Hollywood and fold our arms and say, harumph. we need to make good art out there too. We need to write good books and not just, uh, you know, um, uh, there was a man and he prayed and God answered his prayer and it solved the problem at the That's end. Right. They all lived happily. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's okay for characters to die and people <laughs> not to get their way and for, for good movies to be made. And, you know, they're not all, you know, 12 doves or however they measure them. It's, 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 it's okay to, to try and, and, and talk to, Talk to the talk to the audience with with the message without, you know, hitting them over over the head. And um, you know, the, there there are messages that that seem to resonate uh, with humanity. That um, you know, uh, how many times have have we seen Les Misérables uh, uh, made into a movie? I mean, if there's not a, a, a religious message in that, uh, you're you're not reading or watching. Yeah, you're missing something. Yeah, and yeah. so we can make good stuff. It's it's okay. Just, yeah. just go out there and do it. Yeah. I do have to uh, read this, though, because this is, I, I think this is so good. It says, uh, I've had uh, philosophy majors in my classes whose parents and pastors warned them not to study the subject, that is, philosophy, right? right. Quoting Paul's warning not to be taken captive by philosophy, Colossians 2.8. But as Dallas Willard uh, points out, when Scripture commands us to avoid vain philosophy, it does not mean that we should avoid all philosophy, Right? After all, when Scripture commands us to avoid immodest clothing, and you know where I'm going, right? <laughs> it does not mean that we should avoid all clothing. Right? Right. So in every area of life, our aim should be to counter the bad by cultivating and creating the good. My, my intro to philosophy professor, Arthur Falk, he, he made, made the same joke. You know you're not supposed to listen to me according to the Bible, right? <laughs> yeah. says, be, be, don't be taken captive by philosophy. Yeah. yeah, it's vain philosophy. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, a total book for total truth. That's what scripture is. That's uh, scripture teaches uh, itself, teaches the knowledge of God provides a universal framework. And there are many passages that do it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding uh, all treasure and wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. Uh, Christianity is the key to all that is good and right and true. And so we should, as Christians believe scripture. And so uh, that, that's 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 why these um, looking at worldviews is important. And uh, again, it's not just uh, only talk about worldviews. Uh, we have the ability to talk about the evidence and the science and use the Kalam argument and uh, things like minimal facts and and you know the resurrection. That's not just a, a job for evidentialists. We just have to provide a basis for um, evaluating that truth. And so if you're just going to be gobbling up like hungry, hungry hippos, like this is my fact, this is your fact, this is my fact, this is your <laughs> fact. Um, you know, that's not really going to do anybody any good because then you're just talking about, well, who's, who, who makes the better argument in that, in that case? 
Who has the most facts? So we count like counting noses, we count facts, yeah. right? <laughs> or, or or marbles, the the <laughs> boats. Uh, but um, the Bible is is describing when when it talks about the the, the beginning of uh, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, it's describing how all systems of thought work. All start with something that is regarded as ultimate, unconditional, and divine, which in turn function as the controlling motif for everything that follows. So it's the it's the the thing at the top that influences uh, what you believe about science and logic and and um, reason and morality and humanity and art and uh, movies and you know how to discipline your children. So um, those things are important to know and to evaluate. But scripture says that all truth begins with God. Mm-hmm. Uh, the unified truth um, concept came from the Bible. Uh, it's created a common culture, and you didn't really see this until the rise of Christianity. And again, uh, with that common culture, uh, it became the church became complacent. It didn't speak towards those things. It allowed outside influences to come, like uh, uh, liberal theology, to take root and take hold, and especially take hold. Uh, within uh, the classroom, within the, the college that was created by Christians uh, to start with. And it got lackadaisical in its, its, its assumption that everyone's a Christian. You know? <laughs> and, you know, probably when I was born around the 80s, you could say, oh, well, of course I'm a Christian. I'm an American. Right. You can't really say that yeah. anymore. And yeah. I kind of think that's a good thing. That's yeah. a good thing because now we identify who the true Christians are. And that's right. what we want to be able to do. And so we, we, we need a standard in order to do that. And uh, unfortunately, we have to turn back to Scripture, which uh, the, I say unfortunately tongue-in-cheek because there's a lot of people that, you know, want to divorce half the book away from the other book because it's no longer relevant, except you lose a lot when uh, half the New Testament is quoted in the Old Testament and for a particular reason. So um, uh, the church needs to be ready. It's getting there. It's kind of one of those things where it's got to hit rock bottom in order for it to to realize that it needs help. Yeah. And I I think it's there because I think, I think now more than ever, as, as we talked with uh, Mitch Stokes and and Nancy Piercy, we have, and, and, and um, Pastor Brett, we have an overabundance of books and and things to, to, to talk about. And we have history on our side and we have a meta narrative and we have uh, the, the to, to to trust in uh, the the historical message of the gospel. So, um, you know, we're, we're there. It's just on the upswing now and we, we have to put in the hard work and oh darn, like yeah. that's what we're called to do. <laughs> yeah. But I think each generation has to do that. And yeah. so that's the call for, for our times right. now. Right. right. It's just a lot more easy to be distracted and yeah. not do it. Write yeah. blog posts instead of books or <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, then she ends the book here with uh, really talking about um, um, Lecrae here and, um, Craig Moore, he's the uh, he's the artist, hip hop artist, that sort of thing. And basically, she gives his testimony. What, and she says that uh, you know, God, she begins by saying, "God met me where I was, um, baggy jeans, earrings, and that sort of thing." And somebody came and led him to Christ. What it took to bring him to Christianity was someone who was not afraid of that subculture, who knew the real problems for Lecrae. And, uh, and his culture and his sin and his brokenness and entered into that and pulled him away from that, or at least by the Holy Spirit, right? right? Yeah. Spirit of God. Today, he's the president and co-founder of Reach Records and is the winner of several Dove Awards and, um, and of course, uh, Grammy. Of a, a, a Grammy Award, yeah. so he's been on TV before too. <laughs> <laughs> so he makes the point that most religions tell you not just that, that you, how to be right with God, 
but also how to interpret the world. And so, you know, those, those two aspects, you have to be saved and then you have to understand the world. And indeed, in order to help to pull other people out of that, you have to understand where they're coming from. And uh, so you have to have what um, he calls total truth, yeah. which is what Nancy Piercy's the name of uh, uh, another book, a uh-huh. previous book to this. And so you have to have this total truth in order to um, uh, engage with the world and the people of the world. Yeah. But you have to have this large perspective. And, and we do this with our walk, and we call it two different things. Justification, which is salvation. Right. So your you're, you're, you're old person is gone, your you're new person is created. Uh, you, you have uh, the mind of Christ, you're no longer a slave to sin. And then sanctification is that process of working out your faith within the confines of your world and your walk. And, and you know, this learning um, how to separate worldviews and how to form your own and how to have a biblical one, there's your sanctification. And it's it's just a product of that. And, and it's not just, you know, I'm sinning less. It's, you know, how am I approaching when I'm watching, you know, uh, Sesame Street, you know, or something, something simple where, you know, it's teaching me something, uh, you know, is, is it good to have diversity? I don't know. Let, let's, let's run it through the prism of, of what our ultimate, uh, um, uh, standard is, which is scripture. scripture. Yeah. Yeah. She says in recent years, Lecrae has spearheaded the unashamed movement, which takes its lead from Romans one sixteen. right? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Hip-hop artists associated with Lecrae and Reach Records even call themselves 116 Critique, 116 Critique, right? (laughs) So the Unashamed Movement aims to inspire people to live out biblical truth with confidence in every area. No area is off-limit. No area is too scary, right? And so... She ends by saying that the five uh, strategy, strategic principles in finding truth can help you to do this, to live unashamed, whether at work, school, with your family, or whatever. And so if you apply these principles, they can uh, allow you to live that kind of life. Right. Yeah. So again, we, we started with a, a Jason Lyle book to, to kind of uh, wet our feet into what we're doing in the show. And then we picked a really good one with Mitch Stokes, uh, How to Be an Atheist. And yeah. we took some high concepts and, and we talked about the importance of worldview and philosophy and, and dealing with um, kind of the scientism and only science can explain everything. <laughs> and so we looked at that. And so he, here's kind of a, 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 a mid-level um, application book that uh, that I think is really helpful that kind of uh, gets you into uh, recognizing um, the different uh, arguments that you'll, you'll come in contact with, whether it's watching a debate on YouTube or just talking with your friends or uh, like she says here, uh, he- hearing things in, in music and movies and, uh, you know, expressionist art and, and <laughs> things like that. And so um, how important is it to, you know, is is Christianity true only in the sense that it's religiously true, that it gets us to, to salvation? Right. And from there, you know, you're kind of, you know, live a good life, whatever that means, right. you know, right. uh, you know, <laughs> you're on your own. The, the right. blind watchmakers wound you up and, and sent you into the world as a, as a fixed watch. <laughs> or does God tell us to make him Lord of Lords and King of Kings? And, you know, d- d- does that, does that encompass our whole of the yeah. whole of life and our whole thinking, our whole living? And everything. Right. Does, does that talk about whether or not we should take money from work and how to treat the insect that we come up with? You know, I, I think, I think the, the, the scriptures are very clear that that's, that, that is the case. It's not just, 
you know, uh, God has saved humanity and has left creation and will meet us on the flip side. You know, the, he's, he's active, he's presence, he's conforming us uh, to the image of a son. And so we should be um, uh, conforming ourselves as, as well. Uh, uh, it, it's, it's not a uh, God does it or we do it. It's a uh, both and in, yeah. in that sense. Yeah. So finding truth, five principles for unmasking atheism, secularism, and other God substitutes. Uh, this is, uh, we're, you know, we've completed this. This is a really good book. As I mentioned earlier, uh, you could have a group study with this book. Now you've gone through it with us. Now you'll be able to help others to, to go through it in terms of a group study or something like that. So let me encourage you to do something like that. Yeah. Get out. Go, go, go be active in your faith. That's right. You know, talk to somebody, even if it's your friend, even if it's your friend who's a Christian. Uh, you know, um, um, if you want to pick up uh, Jason Lyle's uh, book, um, Ultimate Proof for Creation, in the towards the back, he's got a bunch of um, letters to the editor where he answers in accordance with kind of this presuppositional thought. And those are really good to kind of take. And one person takes, uh, you know, the, the unbeliever and the other person takes uh, the believer and work out what that conversation would look like. And, and, you know, it doesn't always have to be a one-step answer. It can be just a conversation. So... Um, those are just really good exercises to do, and uh, the more you more you read, the more you're you're uh, inculcated in in these ideas, the more uh, answers you have. There's a lot of good uh, YouTube personalities. Cave the Cross is one of them, but uh, there are another uh, uh, so many good ones. And um, if you want to continue to support uh, our ministry here uh, and keep the lights on, uh, Cave to the Cross is on Patreon, and uh, we'd appreciate any help. If not, hey, you know. Yeah. And if you, bucks. if you find this helpful, go ahead on and push, you know, like and, and subscribe. Yeah. And again, we break these uh, episodes into small episodes so you can share them, so you can go back over them and uh, pick up on the finer points. And um, yeah, well, hopefully you enjoy it and we appreciate it because uh, like I said, we'd be doing it anyways because that's what we do. <laughs> we can do no other. Here <laughs> I stand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see you next time. Uh, Two-part interview and then new book. All right. See you next time.